The first reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, and can be found on page 1094 of the Church Bibles. Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the, fe- and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Second reading is taken from Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 30, and can be found on page 1105 in your church Bibles. It's Acts 11, verses 19 to 30. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Jews also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them was called Agabus, stood up and through the spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. This is the word of the Lord. I guess there were probably a lot of kids in the early church as well grew that way too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our fellowship here, including our children. We thank you for the experience of your first disciples as you launched them as a church, for the blessing that you um, laid upon them, 
for the courage that you put in them, for the grace that they found in each other. And we ask that you would envision and encourage us too through their example, that we too might grow in grace towards one another, towards the world around, and towards you. So please open our ears to hear your word now. Open my mouth to speak it and open our hearts to be able to respond to you, we pray. Amen. So a very warm welcome to uh, you all, those of you who are visitors and those of you who are back from your holidays for the start of the school year. Um, at this point in the year, um, I get an opportunity to share with you what God is doing amongst us, what, where our vision has got to, and what we believe uh, we're re reaching out for next. And uh, so this is my vision sermon. And it comes at the end of 10 years. Two years, sorry, two weeks ago, you heard that this was 10 years that I had been vicar here at St. Jude's. What a privilege that's been for me. And how much Christ has already done through us. So much has happened in this last 10 years. We've refocused our vision. We've built our staff team. We've reorganized our worship services. We've established Friday Fridge and Healing on the Streets and other min outreach ministries. We've renewed our commitment to our school and our nursery. We've begun a mission partnership with St. Simon's. We've rebuilt our entranceway and reorganized our downstairs interior. We've met our historic 30,000 pound deficit that I inherited every year. We met it after three years. And then we created a new deficit, and we met that one, and then again, and met that one too, three or four times. We've presented some ordinands, we've licensed some lay readers, we've trained up some curates. We've contributed nearly a million pounds to Christ's work wider than this parish over 10 years. We've sparked off and then supported diocesan church growth and church planting initiatives, and now we're replanting St. Margaret's Church, our first church plant for 150 years. It is so exciting. When I arrived 10 years ago, I shared a vision. You can see it up behind me. It was that we should become a people who were wholehearted in our worship, hospitable in our fellowship, accountable in our discipleship, generous in our ministry, and enthusiastic in our witness. In fact, that vision was a cunningly disguised mission statement for the whole of Christ's church across the world and in every place. We can see it in the, the experience of the very first disciples that we heard read just now. So firstly, they met together for the breaking of bread and for prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. That's wholehearted worship. Secondly, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. Hospitable fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Accountable discipleship. 
All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Generous ministry. And finally, they, entered, they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Enthusiastic witness. Well, we've interpreted this in different ways over the last 10 years. But we've finally started to give it a vision with some bite. You've seen the first couple, you've heard the first couple of vision goals already. Worship. The, um, oh, that's right at the end. You're going to have to go right back to the beginning. Sorry about that. Shut your eyes. Okay. So, uh, worship. Um, wholehearted worship. Um, okay, still coming backwards. Um, to become a contemporary house of prayer and worship for Portsmouth. Secondly, discipleship, following Jesus deeper and further. The next three uh, uh, vision objectives, vision goals, will be clarified by the end of the year, I trust. But they're going to be something like fellowship, a home for flourishing family life, ministry, meeting serious need across South Sea, and witness, multiplying disciples, congregations, and churches. And of course, we've drawn it all together under our vision statement, St. Jude's Church, South Sea, Jesus' love, transforming lives from the heart of South Sea. So let me tell you some of the ways that we want to reach out for that vision in the coming year. Well, of course, we need to start with prayer. And I need to start with a confession. I've long known that our biggest weakness as a congregation is in the area of prayer. We have some stalwart prayers, prayer warriors who meet together regularly, a couple of different groups each week. But to be honest, the rest of us haven't done that. We do pray here and there, now and again, but we don't gather regularly to pray, to seek Jesus in the presence of God, to batter the gates of heaven in desperation for the needs and spiritual darkness all around us. When I first arrived 10 years ago, I called the whole church to prayer. And about 150 of us came together. Many of you will have been there then. You, your children, and your parents. And some of you, your grandparents too. You may remember Mark Rodell's brazier exploding into flame as the Spirit consumed our sins. I was so excited. Here was a church, a people who were willing to gather together to pray. So I called us together again the following year. Sadly, this time, only about 75 people turned up. And the next time I did it, 50. And at the beginning of Lent this year, I called us together twice, and on average, 35 turned up on each occasion. I had hoped for a prayer movement but under my inspiring leadership, our impetus seems to have drained away. So partly, I guess, I have failed to inspire you. Partly, I think, we all face a tough inner struggle. We aren't used to relying on God for our daily needs. As the kind of people we are and the kind of society that we are, we usually find that we can cope on our own. So prayer isn't that important to us. And partly... I think, as your leader, I myself haven't been growing in prayer deeper and stronger 
every year. I have been working really hard in other ways, but not in this way. I've been sending you out to pray rather than calling you, inviting you to join me in prayer. And for that, I'm deeply sorry. So I guess it's no great surprise to me that we've struggled to make much progress with our vision goal to become a contemporary house of prayer and worship. We can't even manage to be a house of prayer for ourselves, let alone for Portsmouth. Well, this needs to change, doesn't it? I was thrilled when the PCC agreed that this should be our very first vision goal. And, but they were very clear at the time that unless we could move towards this goal, none of the others would be in reach. You may remember the image of a huge tree that we used previously. Our church life, our mission and ministry, an oak of righteousness in the sight of the Lord. Well, the PCC knew that this tree could only grow as big as its root system of prayer and its trunk of discipleship. We all know that God never initiates any great advance of his kingdom, any new movement of the Spirit, whether in worship or compassion or outreach or power, without prayer. But we haven't managed to make that true for ourselves yet. So for this coming year, I'm calling you to join me in learning to pray. The prayer adventure that many of you found the most exciting was our 24-7 prayer room up in the youth hall, which we ran for a couple of Easter's. It only lasted a week because we'd borrowed the hall from the youth group and we had to give it back. We didn't have a permanent venue for that. We've got a boiler house for our heating. It's always there, ready to fire into action, but we had no engine room for our praying. I've always wanted a permanent chapel here, and I've always imagined it would be above the tent in that meeting area up there. And one day, when we have um, put in the new floor and we are worshipping upstairs, that will be our, prayer, um, our prayer, permanent prayer room. But who knows when that next bit of our um, building um, reorganization will take place. It could still be some way away. So for this coming year, as of today, I have created a new 24-7 room. And it's going to be in the old entranceway. Okay, it's not ideal. It does need a bit of um, souping up. It's going to be quite drafty until we put some draft strips in and it's going to be rather cold in the winter without any heating until we get some electricity in there and put some heaters in. But it does have two advantages. And one is that it's not used for anything else during the week. It's only used for being a fire escape. And if you're praying in the prayer room and we need the fire escape, well, you'll be the first out of the building. So actually that would be an advantage, an attraction. And secondly, it's available to anybody. It's accessible to all. That's been the problem with the other rooms we've thought of upstairs. But this room, anyone can get to. Well, we can change it if, if we come up with somewhere better. I'm really happy about that. But at least it's there. At least we can get going. So for the rest of the year, I'm committed to being in that prayer room for an hour a day when I'm around. And I'm inviting you to hold me to that. 
it is going to be really tough for me, so give me a hard time, but be nice to me, okay? This is not something that I have built into the schedule of my life. I'm going to need your help to do that. At the same time, I'm challenging you guys to join me by creating a round-the-clock chain of prayer, encouraging and learning from one another, going deeper and further with God in prayer. And to do that, I really need somebody to help me organize it. Is that you? 24-7 for three months, now till Christmas. To give Jesus a chance to tell us each how much he loves us, to bring before the, before the Father our desperate needs, to express in the Spirit our deepest longings and desires. Will you join me in doing that? We can easily do it if everybody here gives an hour of their week. It's only 167 hours in the week, and there's more than that number of people here right now. Okay? So we could do it. An hour a week to tell Jesus face-to-face -face that he's number one in your life, the most important commitment of your week. Could you do that? Could we become a 24-7 house of prayer and worship for South Sea and Portsmouth and the world? The first disciples had a whole world around them who didn't yet know Jesus, and they knew they had to start in prayer and worship. The need around us is as great as ever it was. There are nearly 200,000 people in this city who don't know Jesus, who haven't discovered his love and power, whose eternal destiny is not yet secure in him. We have to start in prayer. Will you join me in doing that? Okay, secondly, fellowship. Becoming a home for flourishing family life. Fellowship is key for us here at St. Jude's. And there'll be the usual ways to grow in that. Coffee and conversation in our services. A growing and revitalized nursery. Plus our ongoing relationships with school. But of course, our primary place of fellowship is in our life groups. Small groups of people doing big things together for God. Are you part of a life group? You need to be. It's the main place where you can care and be cared for by your Christian family. Like Barnabas, you could be glad together and encourage each other to remain true to the Lord with all your hearts. Jick, come and tell us about life groups. Thanks very much, Mike. Well, we've got approximately 18 groups that come under the banner of life groups scattered across South Sea, and they meet at various times throughout the week, mainly in the evenings, but some during the daytime, and we'll be hearing in just a moment about one particular set of groups that meets on Thursday in the morning. And they come in all kinds of shapes and sizes to fit all kinds of shapes and sizes. And some of them are big and vibrant and spill out of houses. Some are just five or six who gather together on a weekly basis to study God's Word together. And each caters to a different place in South Sea and also perhaps to a different place where you might be in your life. And so I want to encourage you that whoever you are and uh, wherever you feel you are in your faith journey, there is a group for you. 
And it's really simple if you haven't joined a group how to join. There are these forms, the life group forms, that are found on that big form that Sonam is standing next to at the back of church. Sonam, why don't you wave your hand? And there's a board there all about life groups. It will show you where some of the life groups are. It will give you a bit of information about the different groups that are there. And there are these forms that you can pick up and have a read of and fill out your details as to when you might be able to join a group. And all you do after you've filled out your details is very cunningly tear them off and you can hand them in today at the welcome desk or during the week at the church office or to me directly whenever you see me. And we'll sort you out with a potential group and you can test and taste to see if it's right for you. And if that doesn't work, we can find another group for you. We really want every single member of this church to be part of a life group because they're just so vital for our life and our following Jesus together. And I'm going to invite Kathy to come up and she's going to share about the connect groups that meet on Thursday mornings. It's low battery, you're going to... Okay, does that work? Okay, brilliant, can you hear me? <clears throat> yeah, so um, about, well, almost exactly 10 years ago, I was, uh, I'd moved to Portsmouth and I was starting to be involved with St Jude's and I was really quite pregnant and so I was invited um, to, as it was then, Mum's Group. And that was a group for mums. And you'd say, I'm very, very keen, because I went there before my first child was born. And um, I've been a part of this group ever since. I think we um, <clears throat> embraced, uh, not too long after I joined, the fact that we wanted to have that wide vision of family, that family isn't just nuclear families, and that there are a lot more women out there than mums. And so we moved from being mums group to being connect which is a group which is open to all women. We have got women in their 20s. We've got women in their 70s. We're really happy to go up to 80s if anyone wants to come and beyond. Um, and this is a group for um, any women who want to come. And we have three groups that meet on a Thursday morning. So if you're available during the day, one of those groups goes out for a coffee. So if, that is your, if your home <laughs> is in a coffee shop, you can come and join the coffee shop group. Uh, we also have a group that meets on a Monday evening for those who can't um, be there in the daytime. I'm trying to think about what has this group meant to be, meant to me, and that really this group has been my home from which I have been able to feel a part of St Jude's. And I hope that's, that's, that's really, I think, how a life group should work, that you have a home, you have people you're closely connected with, and then with that's kind of your base, and then you can you can uh, be involved with other aspects of church life as well. Um, so we, we love to meet together. I think there's something special. Some people particularly appreciate meeting just with other women. So um, some of our members also belong to another life group if they want to be in a mixed group as well. But um, Connect is a special place where we trust each other. We look after each other. Uh, we learn from God together. Uh, and we'd love to have you join us. Um, Connect, as well as being groups, is a sort of wider social networks so if you're not available at any of those times and you would like to get involved in some of our social events then please speak to me or Liz Morrison or Rachel Duff you can get on the mailing list and on Friday the 13th of October because we're not 
superstitious, we are having a night out at Nicholson's for tapas. So if you'd like to be involved in that, come and uh, speak to one of us. There's also our annual Christmas meal, which always goes down really well. So um, you're really welcome to connect, if you're a woman. Sorry, man. There are men's group as well, and lots of other, lots of other kinds of group for other kinds of people. So, I was saying Barnabas um, saw, joined in with the fellowship, and was glad with them and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And this is what we do for each other in life groups. But like Barnabas, we also need to go out and find people to help us, like he went to find St. Paul. Next year, we're going to need a new CYF coordinator. Liz is finishing at some point in the early part of next year, and we need to recruit as soon as possible. We've been praying about how to do that, and the PCC would really like to double our input into children, young people, and families. Those whose future is our responsibility, a really, really important responsibility for us all. But to do that would mean raising another 10,000 of ongoing giving. Our fellowship and ministry, of course, also depends on strong, reliable admin, administration in the office. We've had a, had a great stable office this, this last year. Um, but we've got less admin than for a number of years now. And the PCC would really like to increase that too. So we want to invest more hours in the office as well. Would you be willing to increase your giving to enable these two things to be possible? So thirdly, discipleship, following Jesus deeper and further. And of course, our main tool for that is scripture. So at the start of Advent, Jit and Adam and myself were planning to attempt to preach through the whole of the Bible, to teach through the whole Bible in five evenings. So uh, five evenings, two hours a night um, at the beginning of Advent, one week to learn everything we possibly can about the Bible. We're so excited about it. Can't you tell? Why not put it in your diary right now? Sunday the 3rd to Thursday the 7th of December, our very own St. Jude's Bible Week. Fourthly, ministry meeting serious need across South Sea. You'll be aware that we've had a number of ministries over the last decade. Indeed, over our 160-year history to share Christ's compassion with those in tough times in South Sea. You only have to read the history um, in the bios of all our different vicars over the 160 years that we've been here to see how much we have invested again and again in South Sea, how much we've given in compassion and resource. We've run hostels and clothing banks. At one point, we've even had a coal club and a blanket club, give, giving away coal and blankets so that those freezing in wretched poverty had some winter warmth. Like the Christians at Antioch, the hungry and the homeless have always had a place in our hearts. And if you drop by here during the day, or on a Friday evening, you'll find that that's still true. This winter, partnering with St. Simon's and drawing in other churches as we can, we want to set up a seven-night-a-week night shelter during the bleakest time of the year. Instead of having a single night shelter building, 
the plan is for seven different churches to cooperate, each opening their own building for one night a week. Well, this year, as a trial to check that we can run it safely and effectively, we're just going to open for one month, just four nights when our building will be open. But to do that, we're going to need to find 15 volunteers a night to set up, to cook and serve a meal, to watch through the night, and then defrost afterwards. And of course, that's in addition to our normal Friday fridge commitment, our, our commitment to that ministry. Yes, it's a big ask, but could you give up part of a night or even four nights during January and February to make the winter more bearable to some who have no homes? And fifthly, witness. Multiplying disciples, congregations, and churches. Like those early disciples as we scatter from here this morning, may the overflow of our prayer and our worship, our fellowship and discipleship, pour out in ministry and witness across South Sea and beyond. As usual, we start this autumn term with a chance to discover more about Jesus. You've heard already that Adam will be leading Alpha here in church from Wednesday the 27th of September. Do you know someone who is starting to ask questions about Jesus? Is there someone the Spirit is prompting you to invite along? No one is going to come to the party unless the invitations go out. And speaking of invitations, every two months we have an Invitation Sunday. You and your friends are invited to Funday Sunday, an action-packed all-age service in the morning, and to come and see a quieter, more reflective guest service in the afternoon. We heard last week that Funday Sunday is relaunching itself to be more like cafe church, for which we need a strong team of table leaders. Some of you don't come to Funday Sunday, I know, because you're already mature disciples and, and you don't find the, the simple Funday Sunday presentations very challenging for you. Well, I've got a big challenge for you. Would you use your maturity in Jesus? Not for your own sake, but for the sake of Jesus' guests. Would you recommit yourself to that service? Not for your sake, but for the sake of the people who come who don't yet know Jesus. Here is your chance to disciple some other people and to speak to non-Christians about Jesus. So, reaching out to individuals, growing our con congregation, and planting new churches. Well, of course, that's St. Margaret's. Our congregation planting team is all primed and ready to go. They've done their leadership training They've prayed and they've worshipped and they've planned for six months. And next week, we're going to be commissioning them here in this service. And then on October the 8th, they'll restart worship in St. Margaret's Parish. If you aren't yet part of the team, I'm sorry to say it's too late. The team has already filled quite a lot of the chairs in that small St. Margaret's Hall. And they want to reserve the rest of the seats for people who are actually from St. Margaret's Parish. However, they do need two things from us urgently. Firstly, they desperately need our prayers. Would you sign up for their prayer mailing? And would you then come to our 24-7 prayer room and pray for them? Secondly, we need to release those who are in the team 
who are currently giving to St. Jude's Church so that they can direct their giving into the growth of St. Jude's. The future ministry, sorry, of St. Margaret's. Well, that means raising an extra, us raising an extra £6,000 of ongoing giving per year. Could you help to do that? You would be giving to St. Jude's, but pound for pound, your money would be released into the St. Margaret's budget for the long term. Okay, some great things there. 24-7 prayer, more staff hours for children and youth, our life groups, a Bible week, a winter night shelter, a new congregation plant. I don't know if you'd spotted this, but I am so excited about this coming year and all that Jesus is going to do through us. There's a whole city out there which he wants to reach through his people, through us, through you. But it comes with a big challenge. Will we give ourselves to Jesus in prayer, in reading the Bible, in serving those in need, in meeting together in small groups, and in reaching out to our community with the good news of Jesus. And, of course, in giving financially so that we can support all of these things happening. Will you join me on this exciting journey? Well, you've got your brochures. Please take them home and read them carefully. It'll remind you of what we're attempting to do this year and why, and also what our needs are in prayer, in practical help, and in finances. Inside, you'll find a pledge form. Could you pray about how Jesus would like you to fill out that form? Then fill it in and bring it back next week so that we can offer it up to him in a joyful thank offering for all that he's given to us. But just remember, money and help and prayer are tokens. It's our whole lives that Jesus wants us to give to him. As Thomas and Juliet and Maya and Tyler reminded us this morning. As we give ourselves to Jesus with glad and sincere hearts, may the Lord add to our number daily those who are being saved. Amen. Shall we pray? Dear Lord Jesus, we are so glad and grateful, so excited by the vision that you are revealing to us, step by step. We thank you for these exciting vision goals that we can reach out for. Drawing towards you in prayer and worship, in fellowship to each other, in discipleship, molding ourselves more, more like you and following you more closely reaching out to the world in ministry and in witness. Lord Jesus, would you release amongst us your grace and your generosity? Would you give to us through your spirit your courage, your determination, and your power that we might reflect you here in this place and in our lives? to each other and to the world beyond. May we grow in grace and in likeness to you. Oh, that you would bless us indeed.
that you would enlarge our territory, our influence for you. That you would lay your hand upon us and use us power, powerfully for your kingdom. And that you would keep us all safe from harm. May we live and grow in grace for the blessing of South Sea and to the glory of your name. Amen.